Hey guys, my name is Petey and welcome to our study of Deuteronomy or Devarim, this first Torah portion of the book of Deuteronomy. Um, from this kind of section of videos, I'm going to have a few Torah portions on the book of Deuteronomy as the Father leads and, and I'm so excited to take you through this. Deuteronomy is a very uh, awesome book because basically Deuteronomy is really a recap of what has happened in the rest of the Torah, the, the previous books that we went through some of them um, in the past year. And you know, it's really awesome because Moses really, he, he just realized now that he's not going to be able to enter the promised land. And he's kind of, it's almost a way like his farewell speech um, to the children of Israel and um, who's, who's going into possess the land. And he's kind of putting reminders out and putting up flags and being like, remember this, guys, remember this, guys, guys, please remember what happened here. And um, and it's basically there the 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 lot, some of the last instruction that he gives um, is through this book. So let's start right in Deuteronomy one verse one. What we first read is that Moses gives a a couple of towns or a place that they went through in their journey. And when we look at those towns, you, a lot of us, including myself, we read over it. And we just, oh, okay, whatever. You know, we see names and we're like, oh, names, names, names. We, and we don't want to read the names in the Bible because it's always boring and it doesn't make sense. Today, I want to show you what these names mean because there is an incredibly awesome hidden mystery message thing here that I want you to see. So in Deuteronomy 1 verse 1, let me read for you. These are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan in the wilderness. In the desert plain opposite Saf, between Paran and Tophel and Laban and Hesroth and the Zahab. Now, <clears throat> when we read that, it's like I said, we, it doesn't, doesn't seem like it bears much meaning. But I actually went and looked into what these words mean and, and what, what people have said about them. And I think that when we look at the, 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 the situations that these words represent, you're going to see that there's a common thread and link between each of them, which I think Moses wants us to see. And the first one, Saf as when the chariots came marching on. So in that moment where just because before the Israelites were, were, well, they were at the sea, you know, and they looked back and they saw all Pharaoh's chariots, you know, the, the best of the best, like war machines back then, you know, people were probably terrified. I mean, I can't even imagine what they were thinking, like standing there with their wife and their kids. And there are these chariots, like these war machines, if you will, um, coming on and, and coming to just kill them. You know? And then when they saw all these chariots came marching on, there's something that the Israelites said. In Exodus, we read this. He said, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you done this to us, taking us out of Egypt? And so here the, the, the Israelites, they're blaming Moses. They're like, why are you to bring us to this place to just die now? Paran is where manna fell from the sky. It's um, where Korah's rebellion took place as well. In other words, that place where the earth swallowed up the Israelites. And, you know, right after that happened, we see a similar thread. You have killed the people of the Holy One. And see, it's this, this accusation again against Moses where first they they said, why you brought us to this place to die? And then the earth swallowed up people with Korah's rebellion. They said, why did you just bring us here again? What, just to make, let us, why did you kill our people now? You know, so in Lava, at Lavan, that's where Miriam was struck with uh, leprosy. Right after she spoke up against Moses and Moses' wife and, and Moses' authority and all that. And she had to be taken outside of the camp. And um, she could then, God granted her grace by Moses' um, request. And then Miriam was able to return. Chancerot, um was the first stop. 
that the Israelites had right after the sin of the quail, where they were complaining, where we had, a, I talked about that in one of my previous videos of, of our wants and needs, and where God kind of, you know, gave them what they wanted. You know, they, they were so, they wanted things, and they were lifting their wants above their needs, and they were saying, God, you need to give this to us, and then God gave them the quail, and as God gave them the quail, right after that, they uh, a lot of them died by a plague that came when they ate the quail, and they, diso they disobeyed God as well. And then in the Zahav, it means too much gold. It's, it's actually interesting because the sages say that they, they can't find a place with the name of the Zahav, but we know that the meaning thereof, it means too much gold. And I know we can all think of where the, there was too much gold. Right after they came out of Egypt, they plumbed the Egyptians. They had a lot of gold with them. And so with that gold, in the end, they ended up building a golden calf. And, and Aaron said, you know, let this be a feast unto Yahweh. Let this be a feast unto the Lord. Let, let's worship God with this golden calf, you know. And um, yeah, so G Moses is basically here coming and he's putting out all these names and he's He's indirectly actually reminding us about all of these things that took place. And he's setting the, 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 the playing field, if you will, for this book as well. And guys, see the underlying theme among all of these situations is that there was a lack of trust. You see, the people of Israel, they, they, they were also always in this, this continuous cycle of, you know, coming into this, facing this trial, this tribulation. And being like looking at this mountain and it just being like too high to, oh, we can't ever overcome this. How are we going to win this thing? How, what are we going to do? And then we, they cry out against Moses. They cry out against the leadership that God has put in place. And they say, why did you do this to us? It's all your fault. Or they point the hand of God. Why God? Why, 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 why? And they complain against God and against Moses the one who God placed in authority. And then they, a miracle took place and God proved to them, guys, listen, all that is for nothing. You, I'm saving you. I'm for you. I'm not against you. I love you guys. And he split the sea for them. You know, he did all kinds of amazing miracles for them. He, he overcame the giants for them. He, he fought for them in the, in, the, in, the, in the wars against the giants and Nephilim and so on. But, and then still, when they faced the next, next trial, next tribulation, same thing. Moses, why did you do this to us? Moses, why did you bring us to this place? God, why did you do this to us? God, we want more. God, do this for us. God, this, 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 this. and there's a lack of trust. And then it's the same cycle again, right after the, God does a miracle, trial comes, and again, they forget the things that God has done for us. And in the same way, we do it all the time. When God, did, we pray, we say, Father, help us. Father, give this to us. Father, I need this. I want that. And then God gives it to us. And, and, and when we have it, we don't even say thank you. We just go on with our life. Oh, yeah, cool. Thanks. And, and we go on with our life. And then the next trial, next tribulation, whatever next comes, and we forgot that God was the one who saved us before. What will make him to not save us again? And we forget about all of that. And we just... And we just complain and we just murmur and we have no trust and trust is not being built up. And so, guys, there's a, a very important thing that you need to see here is that when, is, is trust is built by your thanksgiving. When you face a trial and a trial comes and God does a miracle, do not waver from turning and thanking God. Do not waver from that because in the thanking of God, you are reminding yourself that God has done that for you. You're saying, thank you, Lord. You have been faithful. Thank you, Lord. You've done this for me and now I can trust you for what you're going to do for me in the future. You see, guys, and, and this, is, this is an essential thing that the Israelites never really learned. 
And I'm talking about never because even today we are seeing the consequences of their, their, their fallings, falling away from God. We still today. When the Israelites fell to confront the, the opponents and, and God said, if you don't confront them now, they're going to be as a thorn in your side. And even today, if we look at the land of Israel, we can see all the people surrounding them is like a thorn in their side. Rockets are being fired into Israel, even though they're being protected, even though nothing really bad is happening. There is a thorn in their side. It's because of their disobedience, because of their lack of trust, because lack of trust comes from unbelief and it's from living in a place of disobedience. And so God then gives us reassurance in verse 10. And he says, Yahweh, your early him has increased you and see, see now. You are today as numerous as stars in the heavens. And he's now saying, listen, remember our promise to Abraham way back in the day that you're going to be as stars in the heavens. And now look, look around you guys, even through all this tribulation, or even through all these things, even through the judgment you guys underwent, you are still fulfill my promise that I promised your father, Abraham. And then he takes it further because a lot of us, we, we see this whole thing of, oh, we're a star in the heaven. Oh, thank you, God. I'm a star in the heaven, you know, but you know, there's a lot of stars in the heaven. I'm just a number now, you know, and I think a lot of us, we feel like just a number. We feel like, you know, who's who's God that he would be mindful of my prayer. And and we even go to that place sometimes where we're like, oh, God must hate me because all this bad stuff is happening to me. And we're like, oh, Lord, why do you hate me? Lord, why are you allowing this to happen to me? You know, and you feel and it's kind of this insignificant. You feel kind of insignificant to God. You feel like, oh, God is He's probably busy with a lot of other things. And, and we read in verse 27, you know, they, they grumbled in the tents and said, because Yahweh was hating us, he's brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. But he says then in verse 30 that, guys, what are you talking about? Yahweh has always fought for you and he does fight for you. And he says, and in the wilderness where you saw how Yahweh Elohim has borne you as a man bears his son in all the way that you went until you came to this place. So even though you are a star, like the stars in the heavens to him, he in that same way, God is so mighty and great and, and graceful and full of mercy that he still bears you as his son. As a, and as a son, that means that he knows you intimately. He knows who you are. He knows like he your name. He hears your prayers. If you're righteous and if you follow him, he hears your prayers. And it's like fragrance unto him. And we see a parallel in the psalmist with this. He says he appoints the number of the stars. He gives names to all of them. Great is our master and mighty in power. There's no limit to his understanding. So he's saying that he not only appointed stars and what, it, but he named them too. There's actually a name that he gave you. You're not just a number. You're just not just, oh, you, whatever, one of his creation. He named you. He knows you there's something more behind that and see guys although God loves us and God cares for us and God he wants to have fellowship with us and intimacy with us there are still conditions there are still things that we need to do on our part when we read then in Deuteronomy verse 35 we read this whole thing about disqualification because he says not one of these men of this evil generation shall see that good land of which I swore to give to their fathers except Caleb the son of Jehovah, he shall see it unto him and his children. I give the land on which he walked because he followed Yahweh completely. So there was a, a remnant, if you will. There was only a few people, a handful of people who, and God lists some of them here, who were able to enter into the land that he swore to their fathers. And the reason he says that they were able to do that is because he, they followed him completely. 
In other words, it wasn't just the parts they liked. It wasn't just, oh Lord, I like this instruction. This one's, oh, but this one not so fun of this one. Oh, Moses, oh, this instruction, Moses, great man, great. Yeah, we're going to do this one. But this other one, Moses, this one about the Zitzits, like Korah said, you know, Korah, they rebelled right after Moses gave them instruction about the Zitzits. And Korah's like, uh, uh, Moses, uh, who are you to give us these instructions? I mean, let's be honest, man, you're just another man. But see, the, the, the key of being in that remnant, the key of being entering that promised land is being completely, uh, with no excuses, just completely obedient to everything that he's laid for us. Stop questioning it. Stop trying to make excuses. You know, a lot of us, we go on Google and we try and Google excuses of why we don't have to follow an instruction, you know, and we just find the first pasture that says, oh, you don't have to do that one. And they're like, yes, I'm free. I don't know. I don't have to follow that instruction anymore, you know, and that's guys, that's what we do. And it's so demonic. And that will that will that will make you lose your place, your inheritance in the in the remnant. Unless Yahweh of hosts has left us a small remnant, we would have become like Sedem. We would have been made like a moron. Hear the word of Yahweh, you rulers of Sedem. Give ear to the Torah of our Elohim, you people of Amora. He's saying, guys, God has left us a small remnant. How gracious, how merciful is He? And He says, listen, listen to the Torah. Do the Torah. Follow the Torah. And He connects it with that remnant. And then He goes on and He says, Come now and let us reason together, says Yahweh. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are like crimson, they shall be as wool. And we know that this is a prophecy of Yeshua, the Messiah coming, who cleansed us from all our sin and who made us as white as snow. And But see, then there's something very interesting that Isaiah says right after that. He says, if you submit and obey, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword for the mouth of Yahweh has spoken. So he talks about the Torah and he talks about the remnant. He says, Follow the Torah. This is the remnant God has spared for us. We need to follow the Torah. And then he says, hey, a time is going to come where, you know, your sins are going to be a scholar and you're going to be as white as white as snow. And he talks about Yeshua. And then he says, if you obey, that's what's going to happen. If you obey. And we know that, that, you know, following Yeshua and accepting the sacrifice of Yeshua for ourselves is not just about, just about, oh, Yeshua, I love you. It's also about obeying. It's about walking it out and Walking out, what? The same thing that Isaiah said in the beginning. He said, walk out of the Torah. You know, walk out the word of God. Yeshua is the Torah made flesh. The word made flesh. Torah means instruction. He's the word made flesh. And we need to follow that word and walk like him. Yeshua said the gate that was wide that leads to destruction and few will find the narrow gate. And guys, I want to submit to you that when that greater exodus hits us, in other words, that place where we enter the tribulation is going to come when this world starts deteriorating. Well, it's already, but when it gets really bad and we enter that tribulation, only a few will make it. Guys, there was like hundreds of thousands of people. There's so many people who were who who were made out of um, a really which which started at the really beginning with with Abraham. It, it God grew that nation to like hundreds of thousands of people, a lot of people, and then even from that group, a lot of people died. A lot of people didn't make it. A lot of people fell into sin, disobedience, mistrust, you know, rebellion, whatever. 
all that people fell into that stuff and then a few handful of people made it into the promised land yet again and so guys i want to submit to you that the same thing is going to happen we're going to enter a place a tribulation a world that this world has never seen before it's going to be worse than the holocaust it's going to be worse than anything else and we're going to when go through that place and many people in that place you know it's going to be the beginning of tribulation we think we've got tribulation now it's nothing yet Stuff's going to get so bad that, you know, people, we're going to need God more than ever. We're going to need His promises. We're going to need to hold on to what He's done for our ancestors. We're going to need to understand Him and understand His Word. We're going to need to walk in trust and faith. We cannot afford to rebel against the leaders He's put in place. We need to be in obedience. And I want to submit to you that He's going to again put the most, the leaders in place that we can't, understand or believe would be leaders people who can't speak well people who don't have theological degrees people who are unqualified by world standards but people who god will qualify and they're going to be all these hardships there's all going to be it's going to be a lot of testing there's going to be a lot of stuff where god is just going to see who's the remnant who is tr- the true bride of christ and who's just along for the ride and the guys who's along for the ride will die in the wilderness again they will die there's going to be we're going to we're not going to be in our towns guys we're not going to be in our cities we're going to need to send out into the wilderness we're going to be in a in a, a place where there's not going to be water and nice things we're gonna need to depend on god he's gonna provide food for us he's gonna provide everything for us yet again and in that faltering process there's gonna be a lot of hardship there's gonna be a lot of stuff and that's why i encourage you to spend time on the front of your book because the front of your book was left for us the very book the very part that our modern christianity teaches is not appropriate and applicable anymore that's the very part that we need incredibly much we don't need it more than the new testament we don't need the new testament more than the old testament it's one word it's one and we need it all right guys so i may this encourage you man to submit and obey to the lord your god god do what he said do not waver do not fall short of it because there's a remnant a few a small remnant man and only a few people will find it. There's going to be a few people who find it. And my question is to you, are you going to be part of that few? Or are you going to do what everyone else does? Are you going to follow what your the whole, the, 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 the big picture does? Because the, what the world is doing, and I'm even talking about those who call themselves Christians, what the, the majority of people are doing is exactly what the majority of the people of, is, of, of, who came out of Egypt. They came out of Egypt, they, but they got, Egypt never came out of them. You see, they, they proclaimed to everyone and they displayed, Oh look, we're coming out of Egypt, but Egypt never left them. They were still full of Egypt. Egypt consumed them. And in the same way, I'm going to ask you the question. Yes, you might say, I'm, I'm out of Egypt. I'm not part of the world anymore. But has the world left you? Have you removed the world from your heart? Are you submitting and obeying to the law of God and holiness and righteousness? Walking as Yeshua without excuse, or are you still making excuses here and there? Using your pastor as a shield. Guys, when you stand in front of God one day, your pastor is not going to be a shield. Your pastor is not going to be there to say, Oh, you don't know, Adi, you don't need to worry about this instruction anymore. God is going to say, Why don't you read my word? Why don't you do what I say? Why did you listen to men? You see, God has appointed shepherds, but in our churches today, there are few shepherds. We've got a lot of teachers, but few shepherds. So guys, I encourage you, get alone with God and get in His Word, get to know Him, understand who He is so you can be ready. 
Alright guys, may God bless you, keep you. I hope this blessed you and encouraged you. And you know what? Subscribe to this YouTube channel if this blessed you. Like this video if this blessed you. If it didn't, dislike it. Um, I'll see you guys in the next one.